What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of BDE. It is your favorite day of the week, Thirsty Freaking Thursdays. And I have such an amazing episode for you. The reason I started a podcast was to talk to people, learn more about them, and just have very raw and honest conversations. And if I had to make a list of the people that I could have anybody in the world on my podcast, this person today is on that list. She is somebody I have looked up to since I was 12 years old. She was my middle school math teacher, my high school math teacher, my mentor all throughout school. Her name is Kristen Schley, but I can't call her by her first name because that's a little too weird for me, so I refer to her as Miss Schley. I ask her any question you want to ask your teacher. She tells me all about her experience going to UCLA for college and then attending UC Berkeley for grad school. She was a theta at UCLA, is now married to her husband who is an SAE, talks all about their long story love affair, which will just make you want to have it for yourself. It is the cutest story ever, and I'm a little involved, so stay tuned for that. And we just have very raw, open, honest conversations about everything in life. COVID, about being home, about missing social interaction, about the party scene in college, about Greek life, you name it. Ever since I was 12, I used to ask Ms. Schley why she wasn't a model, because she is one of the most beautiful people on the planet And while doing this episode, I have pimples all over my face. I'm in my pajamas, and she's in her beautiful home looking all put together. And my self-esteem just skyrockets. I'm like, oh, you know, lovely. But what's even more beautiful about her is her heart, and you definitely see that in this interview. And I am so lucky she came on today's episode. So tune in. You will enjoy. Good. I'm so happy you're doing this. Uh, I'm excited. (laughs) Your house looks beautiful, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. I made sure to hide all the clutter. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I just closed the drapes in my closet because I'm in my room right now. So it's my new little setup that we're working with. You're in the sorority house now, right? Yeah, it's so fun. Uh, I know. I was just talking to one of my old sorority sisters and I was telling her about this interview and she's like what are you gonna say you're gonna tell her how you met your best friend and you guys lived together and uh, it was just all perfect I was like oh you're pretty much (laughs) no it's so fun and we have a house mom did you have a house mom when you lived in Uh uh-huh so our house mom we got a new one this year I love her Mm -hmm. so much and she like bakes little like healthy snacks for us like every morning and I'm like Leslie wait but I have to tell you a funny story so last night I came back and it was like 11 15 or whatever and our house mom locked herself out of her own room which is in the house so she's in her pajamas and I guess she got it for a second and she's like locked out just she's like pacing and she doesn't know what to do and my friend Morgan kicked her door down and like she had like a cat in there I was crying of laughter it was the funniest thing and she was like ah how old is your house mom ours was like old she was like in her 70s ours is young she's like 62 oh nice yeah she's she's a hip fit queen so we're big fans of her yeah ours was quite funny we were pretty sure she was a little drunk most of the time but uh it was fun (laughs) fun. she was pretty easygoing (laughs) 
Oh, she got fired. Yeah, because she was too lax. If it the was the same one. Mm-hmm. This past year. I, I, I don't think it was probably the same one because oh. there's no way she would have lasted until that. But. Okay, well, <laughs> the Theta cool. House one, they got rid of her too, I think, because she was, like, too easygoing. Anyway, I'm so happy you are here with me now. And also, like, how have you been during this quarantine and over the past couple months? It's been, I feel like, up and down. Like, I feel like we've been pretty lucky. Like, no one's gotten sick. And um, Aiden's, like, not in school right now. So, like, we don't have to even make that decision of whether to send him or not. Um, It's been tough, like, not being able to see friends and, like, go out and have normalcy. Um, but the good part is like Spencer's working from home. So he's gotten to see like a lot of Aiden's first and like be here for all of that. So I feel like at the, at the beginning of quarantine, he wasn't even walking and now he's like running around and saying some words and it's just, it's really fun. I've done some in-person teaching, um, and it's really hard. Yeah. It's like uh, not, not, not all the benefit, like all the parts I love about teaching, um, it's very hard to get those from screen of kids who like the ki- I mean, nothing against the kids, but it's like the 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 norm is to put your you know yeah, microphone yeah. off yeah. and just sort of staring blankly at the screen, which is understandable. But like, yeah, I'm like, hello, anybody out there? Yeah. I started trying to play like Andy Grammer music and like dance <laughs> around as they came to the classroom. And I mean, that's what like, you would I do. Didn't know if it was it was hitting, you know? Yeah. you just can't mimic my, my dance moves on a screen. Oh, I, I need facts. a classroom. Big facts, no. I was in class yesterday for, from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. staring at a screen. It was Ugh. terrible, and I, I it was really tough, except today I had, like, one class and I have another one later, but my it was two hours long, which is still, like, a really long class, but my teacher was so into it, and there's only 30 of us in the class, and he's like, Ashley, like, are you listening? Like... Ashley, what do you think about this? So it was, like, very involved and interactive, which can't mimic, like, being super interactive in a 400-person lecture, unfortunately. No. that's It's just a totally different style of learning and teaching. Do you edit this, or is the whole thing, like, going to be on? Yeah, I edit it with... So it's, like, just sound. Hopefully the sound is, like, good and everything. Um, but yeah. I try to keep it as raw as possible so that people can get a real-life understanding of like what was yeah. talked about no i mean i've listened to it but i guess i don't know the like how much you record and then cut out like this is boring I conversation keep... so maybe <laughs> no i we'll we'll get to the juicy details as mr core used to say but yeah i have my little okay well I, 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 was, I will tell you first of all that i was a little bit nervous because i feel like since i've known you so long yeah i mean since you were in seventh grade <laughs> and i've taught you for three years and we did all this student government together like we text each other, whatever. I feel like I'm gonna be like, just spill my guts to you, and I'm like, oh wait, this is recording and going out into the world. Like, no, no. But the type of person I am, though, at the end of the day, and I know you know this, but I love just like having those like intimate, raw conversations with people. And I think I could have started a YouTube channel or I could have done something else, but I don't feel like it's as personal. And when you listen to a podcast, it's like just somebody's sound. So you're not judging them based on their appearance. You're not judging them. You don't know anything about them. And listen, I'm a nobody. And so it's just me like enjoying myself and doing it. But it's like a way to connect with people that I'm excited to learn more about. So, yeah, no, I think it's great. I love listening to podcasts and I love listening to podcasts too, like in this style where they're just like interviewing people about their lives and like about their thoughts and feelings. And I feel like it's a really great way for 
um, community to learn about how other people think because it doesn't allow for a conversation. It's just presented to you. You don't get to like butt in and like say, oh, hey, or like ask more questions, you know, say your opinion. So you can like totally disagree with somebody or not even disagree, but like have a different viewpoint. And, but you don't influence them at all. They are completely raw. Like you said, like whatever the conversation they have with the podcast host or whoever, like that's what you get to see and listen to. And I don't know. I think podcasts are amazing. I'm obsessed with What them. are your favorite, like top three to five podcasts? Mm, okay. So I'm really into this one that was called, uh, I think it's called a thing or two now. Okay. It was used to be called a few things. And it's just these two women who are just so funny and I feel like we would be best friends and like they like talk about all the things that I thought nobody else thought and um it turns out I'm not so crazy for thinking all those things because there are other humans who have those same train of thoughts I've like called their hotline to like leave a voicemail um I've listened to like they've they've I probably found them a year and a half ago and they've been podcasting for like five years and I've, I've definitely listened to every episode we go on a lot of walks so that's okay. I listen to The Daily. I love that one. I mean, I was a big This American Life fan. I love Code Switch. I feel like Code Switch allows me to like see and or hear, I guess, um, a lot of perspectives that I wouldn't even know I was interested in. That's so interesting. Okay, I'm going to have to look at those. I'm like in need of new podcasts right now. I'd say right now my current favorites are... Uh, skinny confidential have you listened to them yeah I've, I've i've dabbled in that one a couple times yeah they're pretty good armchair expert but Dak shepherd is a oh classic. yeah i love that one I he, about him. okay wait the i really quickly have to say the other week stockton the mayor of stockton oh i wasn't going to talk about that but do i have to listen uh, well you're the mayor of stockton and you should probably listen to it okay, okay, michael Cubs is amazing and he also has an hbo documentary oh. shameless plug here that's my hometown whoop, whoop. okay so i want to ask you about that in a second but so i was we've been here for like a week or two and it was before we started school and rush and it was just a lot of rallying not doing like crazy things because covid's a thing like i'm well aware but just like a lot of staying up late or bonding or whatever and i was exhausted so at one point i fully fell asleep and like napped but i was listening to uh armchair experts episode about dax shepherd's relapse and like it ended up playing into like another episode but it was so interesting to hear about somebody talking about like their own drug addiction and being so honest about it yeah like I talked about it with my roommate I was like you have to listen and it was well he's a a big proponent of like the 10 12 step program and like he he, like talks about all he's very um there's all the feelings you know which I appreciate but I think like the way he talks about it I'm like why aren't these steps taught to everyone in school? I mean, I guess they have a religious stance, so like, okay. But like, there's so many like coping mechanisms for how to like deal with addiction and it. And I feel like it's such a issue that touches everybody's lives, whether it's you're personally addicted to something or you know somebody is, or like, we're all addicted to our phones. So like, yeah. we can all adopt these strategies in some point or another, or uh, in some way or another. Um, anyway, didn't mean to interrupt, but no, I- No, I completely agree. And I think the thing I love about it is that you listen and I was like, I wouldn't have known like how shameful you felt or like the <laughs> things that you think about. He was sober for 16 years and then he slowly like got in a lot of accidents so then we're taking was taking a lot of painkillers and that's how he got back into it and then was like lying to his best friend and his wife hmm was this recently Mm -hmm. this was like it's called the episode's called day seven and his whole thing was like i don't in his eyes he didn't want to erase the last 16 years and like start over because he's like i might as well just like shoot heroin or take a drink if i'm starting over 
But so the the whole mindset is so fascinating and hearing like yeah. the shame in his voice yeah. from like what he did. Like the whole thing. That's that's if I can Wait, bring he's in surgeries because of his like he like hurt his arm. Yeah. Like, so he like got surgery and you have to take wow. medicine. And then he had his wife pers- uh not prescribe it. He had his wife, Kristen Bell, like give him the doses because he didn't trust himself. But then he ended yeah. up getting addicted to like codeine and oxy and would take eight things of thirty milligrams of it in like one day. Yeah. Which is I, crazy. Like I when I got my surgery I had those two things. I took like half of a half of a half and didn't even do it again. I like was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no drugs for me, please. Those, those are scary drugs for sure. Yeah, but anyway, I love just like escaping into that world. But so, Dak Shepard did an episode, I guess, with the mayor of Stockton, which is where you are from. So I have yeah. never been to Stockton. So can you tell me about your hometown, what it's like, the people uh, there? About my hometown. Sounds like a country song. Okay. Well, it's super diverse. It feels small towny. I grew up in a neighborhood where, like, we knew all our neighbors. We were on the neighborhood swim team. We, like, lived at the pool during the summertime. I was then the swim coach and the lifeguard at the local pool. I don't know. I just felt, like, very much a home. Um, felt very safe. Went to the local public elementary school and had a great you know, education. I loved learning and had good teachers. I ended up going to the private school for high school. My brothers went to the public high school. They were both really good schools. I just kind of like wanted the smaller environment. Yeah, a whole bunch of mix of people. I like knew people from all backgrounds and grew up full of classrooms speaking like multiple languages at home. So I've always felt really comfortable like around um, diverse communities. You're one of how many? I'm the oldest of four kids. Wow. That's a lot of kids. I mean, I'm the oldest of three. But so when you were in high school, did you, were you somebody who knew like, this is exactly what I want to do when I'm older? Like, this is what I want. Um, yeah, I kind of did. In high school, I mean, I feel like I went through the like normal childhood, was wanted to be a teacher when I was in like first grade, and then went and wanted to be a veterinarian, and then wanted to be a pediatrician, and then wanted to be a, all the things that you go through in schools. But then when I got to high school, I remember that, I remember very vividly this experience of like, I loved math always. So I had a friend named Nick and I remember he wasn't doing very well in math, but like, so we carpooled to school together and he would always like, I would like quiz him on his Spanish words. And I swear he would like look at it once and have them all memorized. Like the kid was so smart, but like was not doing very well in math. And I just remember being like, it's because of his teacher. I could, I could teach this to him. If if he, you know, I know he's got like such a good brain. I I can explain this better or like, not that I, not that his teacher was so bad, but I just felt like I always like liked empowering other people and like making sure, like making things that are complicated for somebody like simple. Like if they're, I feel like, I don't know what, it, it like gets me all excited. It's like what I was supposed to do. You had that realization where you like, I want to get out of Stockton. I, have, I want to get out of Stockton. I mean, I didn't want to go to UOP for or like for college. I knew I wanted to leave and have some sort of a different experience for college. I like only did like two college applications. I feel like that's crazy to say because like people did so many. But I guess so. I did. I, that's that's not so true. I did the UC application and then. I applied to Stanford just because I didn't really want to go there, but because my parents went to Cal and they were like, go bears and wouldn't have wanted me to go to Stanford anyway. So it was never really like a dream of mine, but my boyfriend at the time had applied to Stanford and he didn't get in and I really wanted to get in, but I didn't. Uh, Whatever. Okay. So you got where, so you applied to Stanford. So then I just applied to the UCs and because 
there was like this program going on at the time where if you were in the top 10% of your class, you got automatic enrollment into a UC. I know, I guess that's not a thing anymore. But so I didn't get to pick, I didn't get to pick which UC I got into for sure. But when I, I did, they like told me ahead of time that I got into UCSB. And so once I knew that that was like an option because I, I had wanted to go there too, I applied to Berkeley and UCLA and UCSB. And then, so I knew I was going to one of those three and then I got in. So I chose UCLA. I understand. Okay. So you had your high school boyfriend. You guys stayed together, correct? We, we were dating. I was a junior and he was a senior in high school. We were dating. Then he, he's never going to hear this, so I don't need to <laughs> mince my words. But um, ended up, we, we broke up for a while. And we, we broke up when he left for school. Okay. When he left for college, he went to USC. And so when he left for college, we broke up. We like kind of dated other people. We ended up getting back together when he came home for Christmas break. And then we stayed together through the end of my freshman year. So obviously I went to UCLA and we were kind of close by. We would see each other on weekends. And I feel like that really like influenced a lot of my freshman year because I was a going out into the like college party scene, not party, well, party scene, whatever that's it's called space babe, um, like with a boyfriend. So I was never really um, actively looking for another romantic relationship. And then a lot of my weekends were spent over at USC or us together. Did you so, want to go out? Because I know everybody, at least here, who had boyfriends, like once they got back together with their boyfriends or got a boyfriend, they weren't as excited to go out to the frats. Because it's not like you make the guy friends right away. It's like you go there to hook up with someone or to like get blackout drunk and then go home. Like that's just like what the okay, frat so I don't feel like is. I fit into either of those categories. Okay. I would like, I mean, I was never, I didn't really, I didn't drink in high school. So I was not a big partier by any means. I mean, I dabbled, <laughs> but like I was not a big partier by any means. But I would still go out to the fraternities with my friends. I love to dance. So I like would go to the raids and all that, like have a good time. Yeah. Um, I feel like it enabled me to make a lot of really good guy friends because I was like, I was off the market, but a lot of my friends got boyfriends in fraternities. And so we would hang out with, we would hang out with their groups of friends. So I've made some like lifelong friends. And then luckily, like, ended up marrying one of them we're not so, there yet we're not there in the story goodness I, gracious like i'm still friends with all of those guy friends like we gotcha. see each other and go to weddings and all that when you um were with your freshman year boyfriend like your mm-hmm. high school boyfriend yeah, what then okay when did you like when did it end when were you like okay, uh, okay so i can remember during the end of like towards the end of my freshman year i can remember feeling like like I thought I was gonna marry that guy. Like I had it planned out in my head, like June tenth, twenty ten, which is like absurd. June twentieth, twenty ten or something. I like, had, had a date. date. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have the date. This was like all in my head. Like I've been one of those people who's like always imagined their wedding since I was like, you know, I actually first grade is when it's in the diary and I have it written down of what I wanted my wedding to look like. Um, nineteen ninety four. You guys weren't even like a thought in your parents' mind at that point. <laughs> Anyways, I had this whole idea plan, and then I remember getting to the end of my freshman year and being like, Ugh, I have this whole idea planned. I already know what my life will look like. like he was from Stockton. We would have moved back to Stockton, and like this is what our life would have been. And I felt like that was so limiting, Mm -hmm. Um, not because it would have been a bad life, but just because it was like predictable. And I was like, I don't want, I don't want to have like decided my life at 18. I guess I just started feeling some like unassurance. And also I was like meeting guys that were like interesting and like fun to flirt with. Oh, if I'm attracted to another guy, like maybe that means this guy's not 
thrilling me as much as I thought. So, so I ended up breaking up with him, I think the end of freshman year. After you guys broke up and then you came back for sophomore year, were you like, I want a boyfriend, like I need to be tied down? Or were you like, oh, I want to be single? What was your outlook? I don't know. I don't think I was ever like, like out with a mission. I can't remember that mindset. I mean, I think probably looking back, I think I was more of that mindset when I found somebody that I wanted to like spend more time with. When I was like really attracted to a guy, I was like, oh, I want to lock him down. I want to be exclusive. I want to like date this person, like ask me out on a date kind of a thing. But I also think I was kind of high standards if we were going to date. You know what I mean? Like we're going to like take me out. You're a date kind of girl. Yeah. Like you're not, I'm just, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to be like a. One time. Yeah. Hitting kind of. Yeah. Okay. I've heard the story so many times, I'm like blushing just because it's like the cutest thing ever. But tell the story of how you met Spencer, who's now your husband. It was, oh my God, this is so crazy. It was Halloween of sophomore year. Well, okay, going back, we must have met each other because we were like totally in the same friend group. My friends were with friends with, I was friends with, my friends with all friends with his friends and him. And his, I was friends with all of his friends. So like we, we were definitely like at date parties together and like, had probably met at some point, but the first time I remember being introduced to him, I mean, like, have a picture from this night, was a Halloween party at SAE. Rip coronavirus, because I'm a sophomore in Halloween soon. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, guys, that sucks. Yeah, I can't imagine trying to go to college during corona. That really sucks. And so I think we met at this Halloween party. I can remember he, like, asked my number, and then, like, that weekend... Wait, 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 I'm sorry, I have a question. When you would yeah. go to parties at SAE, was it like crazy music blasting, like pumping your fist? Or was it like, oh, chill vibes, you hang out, you talk to people? I think the first one. It yes. was definitely like loud music. Like, okay. Hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah, no, loud. I think, I think from our observations, Spencer and I's observations, I feel like SAE has got a little more like into techno music. There was a lot of country music coming from the fraternity when I went. Stop. Yeah, not a ton, not everybody. There was definitely like two camps, but like there was like, not necessarily country, but like old rock and roll or like they were really into 90s R&B hits. I guess it's the stuff we played in high school. So I guess it's not, or middle school. So it's like not that awkward yeah. what we used to listen to. That's so funny. Um, Wait, I went to a party last year. You literally would have had the time of your life. It was like a mini stagecoach at Lambda and it was country theme, country music, hey everywhere. Oh, SAE, like, throw that. They called it SAE Hoedown, and there was, like, chickens running around the fraternity house. And they had, like, barrels of hay everywhere. Uh, cleaning that up must be a nightmare. The poor place. Uh, yeah. But... Spencer has some stories, Okay, sure. he'll be my next interview. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a series. <laughs> His perspective, we'll see. Yeah. So, that's so interesting. Oh, my God, I'm going to do it. Anyway, so you meet him on Halloween. He gets your number. And then I can remember going to a tailgate at the Rose Bowl and SAE was going with Alpha Phi. And I can remember we were with some other fraternity beta, I was in beta and they like, but I wanted to hang out. It was like kind of walked over to their tailgate, chatted with him. And I like, didn't want to draw my attention to myself because I can remember being like, but I'm at the Alpha Phi tailgate. Like, I don't want to be the theta who's like, talk, like trying to be the, you know, yeah. I, I didn't remember that very much. And then I remember, so he went home on the buses. I can't believe I remember this with such clarity, but I do. Um, he went home on the buses with Alvafi, and I was driving in a car with some friends. And he texted me like, hey, like, do you want to come with us to get sushi? Or like, want to get sushi? Something like that. 
And I was like, yeah, like have fun. But I totally thought it was going to be like a whole group thing. Like right. he was with a bunch of people. So I figured it was like, they're getting sushi, you're invited along. So whatever. And then it turns out like it's a date. And we went to Ami Sushi. It was just you a two Ami on your first date? <laughs> what? Is that not like a that's, thing? No, that's nice. Yeah. Ami Sushi? Yeah, I think like most guys would be like, oh, okay, whatever. There's not well, it. I was, I was quality, actually. I mean, come on. That's he what was, you look for. Literally marriage material here. So <laughs> he, he was trying to impress. So we went to Ami, we had like this great conversation. I told him all about my family. He told me about his mom and his whole family. And then we went, we actually drove, he was trying to be romantic and not trying, he was being romantic. We drove out to Paradise Cove in Malibu, walked on the pier and I was like, okay, kiss me. Like, so ready for him to kiss me. And he didn't kiss me. I was like, does he like me? Like, I was so confused. Like we just went on this like great date. We like totally hit it off. But he was like trying to be Mr. Respect. I don't know, it was really sweet. I mean, it worked. Like, here I am. So then did you go out more? Did you- Yeah, I can't remember, like, what the second date was. But, like, I can remember we, like, we went down to Manhattan Beach and rode bikes one day. I met his brother, like, early on. I met his parents at some point. I don't know. We dated well, for from, a little bit. He's from California, like, Sherman Oaks, right? Yeah. Okay. And so we dated for a little bit sophomore year. And then, I don't know why things fizzled. I don't really remember, like, I don't think he really wanted a girlfriend. Wait, when you were going out, because, and I know it's, like, different now, but exclusivity and labels are, like, such a big thing now. Like, I have a friend who's, like, so into this guy. He's so into her, but they cannot label it. Like, how dare you put a label on it when being exclusive is, like, basically, in my eyes, very similar to being boyfriend and girlfriend. But was that, like... I don't even think we discussed labels. But did you discuss, like, being exclusive? Because I know in college you can be like, oh, uh... I don't think we did, but I don't think either of us, the kind of people who were, like, playing the field while we're, like, showing interest in somebody yeah. else. Yeah, so it, it, it feels louder, like, it just became different. I, I don't think he, I don't, maybe, maybe we did. I can't even remember, but, like, maybe I wanted to be his girlfriend and, like, he didn't really want to put that label on. And so I think things, I was like, okay, well, if I'm them, like, whatever. But we were always really good friends. Like, I think I can, like, remember, like, texting him Merry Christmas and like at that point we were together and like I don't know we just like stayed close so we were dating in the summer of sophomore year because I lived in Pink Palace is that still exist? Uh-huh. all the Thayers live there that's so funny we were living with like some Fisai guys on the bottom floor oh Fisai is like doesn't for, really exist anymore yeah that's so well, funny. just for just for um the summer anyways I was there for like summer school and I don't really remember much. We stayed friends. Like, we were all in the same friend group. I hung out with, like, SAE all the time. Like, all my, my one of my, my best friend, Melissa, her boyfriend at the time was an SAE, too. So, like, that was our crew we, like, ran with. And then come senior year, I don't really remember right around when, maybe springtime-ish, we kind of, like, got back together and, like, hit it hard. Like, we were just like, oh, I really like you. Like, I said I love you. And, like, it just became more serious. But, like, he already had a job in New York lined up for after college. And so... Wait, this is senior year or junior year? Senior year. Okay. Yeah. Junior year, we were, like, friends. But I don't remember romantic part there. And then, but then senior year, we got back together. And, oh, this is going to be hard. Like, I really, really like you. Like. Wait, didn't he say that, like, at Stagecoach, that was, like, what solidified it? Oh, yeah. It? He took me to, we took, we, okay, so one night, I don't even think this exists anymore, but the street that Trader Joe's is on, right, it's on now. Like, yeah. wherever that CVS is, there was, a, like, a, a bar there. They told, like, closing, and then on the way home, we were like, let's buy Stagecoach tickets. Oh, my God, let's go. No, 
we actually bought tickets to see um, Kenny Chesney in Vegas. I don't know who that is. Kenny Chesney in Vegas. You don't know who Kenny Chesney is? Yeah, he sings like, she thinks my tractor's sexy. He sings a lot of good songs. I'll I'll add, we'll add to the cue after. You should, you should, um, anyway. So we went to see him in Vegas. That was like kind of, I don't know, part of the time we were like, oh, I'm in love with you. And then Stagecoach, I think we went that summer and I like met his parents there. And he remembers just like music, you know, we have this picture and he's like got his arm. Oh, this was actually, we were still in college when this happened because it was spring, t- it was spring quarter, it's like April. And I, he has a picture of me and he's like wrapped around his arm and he's just looking at me and he's got this like smile on his face and it's, it's like on our bedside table now. That's when he said he fell, he fell in love with me. I probably fell in love with him a lot sooner than that. I probably fell in love with him sophomore year if I was honest with myself, but that's the moment he decided. And then, so but then, but then he was going to New York. So we... Right broke up and kind of broke up. I went and visited him. We were like, had the freedom to see other people, but like we still chatted on the phone and like hung out. And I think if Spencer had been like, hey, move out here with me. I want you here. I would have been like, done, go. I'll go to grad school in New York, fine, whatever. Um, But he wasn't quite ready to do that. And so I kind of was like, all right, well then I want some more freedom because I'm not gonna sit around and wait for you. Like, I wanna get married. I wanna have kids. I wanna like, you plan your not, life. Not, not that I was like on an agenda, but like I kind of wanted like a more serious right. relationship. I was like ready for that in my life at 24 or whatever I was. 22. Okay, wait. I have to slow you down. I have a lot of questions like about college. That was like all about yeah, okay. Spencer. So and I want to I want to circle back to that because it's just, like the best story ever. But you you get into UCLA. Was it like your dream school? Were you happy right away? I know that you didn't have social media. And so like for me, when everything happens, like it's all broadcasted on social media, who you're friends with, what you're doing, where you are. And so it's a lot of like, oh, well, if this person's happy, like I have to be super happy too, you know? Yeah, no, luckily there was not any of that. Yeah. Um, Did you befriend people across the row or was it very segregated based on which house you were in? I had friends, like my roommate from freshman year was in Cayo. I have, we were kind of friends with a couple of the girls from um, Kappa. Hang out because our friends are friends and girlfriends. Like we knew these people in Alpha Phi too. Like I feel like I got to know people from like all over. Um, my friend Melissa was in the nursing program. So she knew some people, different groups of friends pulled yeah. in their friends from other things at, at UCLA and other organizations. So I wouldn't say, I, I feel like for sure the most part I hung out with other datas, but it was friendly with everybody. Yeah, no, 100%. Most college, I got even more friendly with people from other sororities. Cause like once you're out and you're like, you're no longer living necessarily in the same person. You're like, we were all in Brentwood. We've been in San Francisco. Like you start just like mixing with, I mean, it's like, oh, you're a Greek at UCLA. Like we have some sort of background, let's be friends. Little things like that. No, I completely get that. I think here, because not every house is open on the row, at least right now, it's more like smaller groups, apartment things that you do. And so, like, it's forcing people in different houses to get together, which I personally prefer. Like, I don't need to go to a frat party right now and not not really into that. What is it like? Are people being, like, more cautious and, like, what – how do you um so having corona during college is not ideal so i'm living in the house right now and it's half capacity and we're one of the few houses on the row that are open and so we don't let people who don't live here in unless they're like picking up food and they have masks on and there's like a place to pick their food up because like they're paying for it but 
there's a bunch of apartments and then the frats don't really throw but it's like oh if you have friends in them you go over and hang out and people are drinking or I'd like to say people are being more safe unfortunately that's not like always the case and it's really hard because like my whole thing is like once you go into your college environment like you're in just like that pool of people like just by going into Westwood for me at least it was like okay you're at risk somehow because even if you stay inside and you minimize the people you see I could be seeing my roommate who isn't safe who's seeing this person who's seeing this person I think you guys are also in a healthy age group where like as long as you're being conscientious about who you're coming into contact that could be like yeah. going to see your parents or something oh, like no, that. No, no, no. I, yeah, I don't go home. I don't really think the other girls are going home or anything. And we get tested weekly because we want to prevent an outbreak. Yeah, the frats get tested and overseas, like a few of the frats didn't have crazy outbreaks. One of them did, but they caught it soon enough. It's just, it's really, I get really scared. I got really sick last year because I had mono at the beginning of the year, which just like changed who I was for a few months. And so I just don't want to have that happen again. But it's, it's definitely hard. I mean, like rush over Zoom, which was. Oh yeah, I was wondering, we were, I was talking to Melissa and we're like, how did they do rush? That's like the least. It was, the worst thing was that they uh, had P&Ms. So people rushing submit videos and then. That was their first round. So you got dropped after a video, which makes me so upset because it perpetuates the stereotypes that Greek life is superficial and this, that, the other. And yes, they look at your resumes and this and whatever. I wasn't very involved in that. But just like that process in itself, you can't get to know someone. So that sucks. all so awkward on camera. Like I watch videos of myself teaching and I'm just like, oh, cringe. Like you like jamming to Andy Grammer. You're like, oh, mad. Looking back at my rush days, I cringe too. I had these like flip flops that like didn't fit and would like flop all over. The- like, what was I thinking? Oh my but god! So really cool. You, it sounds like you kind of found your groove. There, like once you joined a sorority and everything like that. How were classes for you? Did you feel prepared for college? Did you like the environment? I feel like it was super hit or miss. I well, like my freshman year, I had great classes. I had an amazing cluster that I was obsessed with. Which one? Um, sex from biology to a gender. My roommate took that. Oh, so good. Like, quote it in my head to this day. I feel like it's so applicable. Anyways, so I had great classes. Like, I did really well freshman year. It was awesome. And then good grades in all classes, except for there were, like, some math classes where the teachers were really hard to understand. It was really hard material. I was a math major at UCLA. It was, like, not easy. And so there were some classes I didn't do as well in. So for the most part, and I, like, took some teaching classes. So I feel like I, I really enjoyed I enjoyed learning. I took a really awesome history of religions class. So I feel like I loved my classes at UCLA for the most part. Like I had a really interesting conversation with a girl in my house yesterday. And we were saying it would be really interesting to ask people in the house, like, what is your favorite moment from freshman year? And I feel like depending on what that person says, it tells a lot about who they are. So I was wondering... You can just give me one from all of college or your freshman year specifically, but one of one moment that specifically stands out to you. A favorite moment. I feel like there's not a single one that like stands out as being like, this was the best. And I don't know how college it is because it was so reliant on like Spencer and stuff. But I remember for senior year, we were like back together and we were going on the SAE Weekender. I don't know if they do those anymore, but we like went down to 
San Diego or Orange County or I don't know. We stayed at this hotel dance party or whatever there. And it was my birthday. And my in my family, there's like this tradition that we always get um, breakfast in bed on our birthdays. I don't even think that I remembered that he knew that, but then he had like breakfast sent to the hotel room and like I got breakfast. It was so sweet. So that's like one thing that stands out. Yeah, that's so cute. And I remember like senior year, like feeling like, okay, I've got these amazing friends. I like felt my group. I'm like, you know, it's, it's, it's summer, it's a spring semester senior year. You're like on your way out. You're feeling really confident. It's like, I can remember freshman year, like feeling the opposite and like crying in my dorm room and feeling like homesick and like more and more happy with who I was and where I was in my life. Like that's probably what led to me thinking of that moment. Interesting. Um, And I think something that just, like, bothers me is that when people talk about college or the way people showcase it is it's always the happy moments. And, yes, like, when you post on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat, you want to show, maybe, like, you show when you're genuinely happy and you're having fun, which, like, everybody does have those moments. However, I think that it's the only thing that's broadcasted. So when people are in a funk or, like, having a tough time for whatever reason, it's not showed enough. And so, for example, like, if I... When I had mono and I wasn't fully myself for, like, a little bit, I was so, like, concerned that something was just, like, fundamentally wrong with me because I wasn't completely thriving, and it seemed as though, like, everybody else was. I, I felt that totally. I, could, I mean, I was looking back at emails, and you, you forget those moments once you've, like, gone through them sometimes, and you're, like, get crowded out by happy memories, which I feel like of human nature doing its job, but, like, I looked back at emails that I'd sent my mom, and I just was, I don't know if I fit in here, I can't find any friends, I'm so sad, I miss home, like, this just doesn't feel right, and I can remember being sick at some point, and, like, being sick by yourself in a dorm room is just, like, not fun. I mean, you I'm sure you had it much worse than I did. I think I had like a cold, but like, I can just remember that being hard. I can remember, I loved living in the house. Yeah. Now I would go back to like living with a bunch of girls. Sounds like so fun. I'd be having a blast. And then it would just get to a point where like some piece of drama or something was going on amongst the girls. That it just felt like, oh, I need to get out. I need to like, like suffocating. Like, I think I liked the social stimulation a ton. I'm like an extroverted person. So I like really enjoy that environment, but they're, there always gets to be a point for somebody where you're like, where can I escape that it's just me? Like, no, it's so much estrogen all the time. Which is even like in any dramatic like fights with girls. Like it wasn't even to the point. No, where it was no, like, it's just like the heart. It wasn't like that drama. It was just more of like <sighs> too yeah. much, like too much stimulation. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Except I will say one of my favorite memories. And I've only been here briefly. We played for the girls. Do you know what that game is? It's like mm-hmm. a card game, and it's truth or dare, would you rather, best of the best, things that really expose you and get you talking. And so mm-hmm. everybody in the house played it. Like, we all sat around oh, one of our fun. first nights being here. And you just, like, learn all this stuff about people, which is so entertaining and so funny. But so that was definitely a highlight. So overall, yeah. I'd say it sounds like you had a good experience at UCLA. You uh-huh. enjoyed yourself. Then when it came time for grad school, where did you want to apply to and go? I applied for grad school right out of UCLA to Berkeley. Um, and I got in, but then, so I was tutoring at the time. I'd gotten hooked up anyways. I was tutoring this girl in math and her neighbor was looking for a nanny for their two girls. And at first I was like, a nanny, like I'm going to grad school. I don't want to like go babysit. But then it ended up, the job was like paid really well. I was going to get health health insurance travel the world they're like really cool family met them the girls were amazing the family was really nice 
So I decided to stay, which was like crazy. Well, I couldn't really defer, but they told me at Berkeley that if I was a good candidate that year, that I'd probably be a good candidate next year. It was a pretty small program. And so I was like, okay, well, that's enough for me. So then I ended up staying and living in Brentwood and nannying for this family for a year. And that was a great experience. I got to like travel and do a bunch of cool stuff. I'm still like in contact with the girls a little bit. But after one year, I was kind of like, okay, I'm ready to move on and like get back to my own life. Did you live with the family? No, no. I lived in Brentwood with a friend of mine from high school. He was going through culinary school at the time. So I got to like try all his like cooking. That's so fun. And you're a big foodie. So I'm sure you enjoyed that. Anyways, um, and so then I, I ended up leaving and going to grad school at Berkeley and spent two years there, which was really fun because a lot of my girlfriends after college, my sorority sisters, moved up to the Bay Area and were living in San Francisco. So I would spend a lot of my weekends in San Francisco and hanging out with them. And it was, you know, only an hour and a half from Stockton. So that was nice to be closer to family for a couple of years. But then Spencer and I got back together. Oh, yeah. How did you rekindle? I mean, the real story is I started dating somebody else and he saw a picture of me like kissing this guy on Facebook. I don't know if he did describe it this way, but he was like, I got to get back to LA. Like, I was like, I got to not get back to LA. I got to get back to Kristen. And so then he like tried to like interview for jobs out here. And he wasn't even sure if I'd broken up with this guy. This guy was like not who I was going to marry. And so then as soon as Spencer was like, hey, I'm moving back to California, like, let me come see you. So he took me to breakfast and I can remember having the conversation where he was like, okay, well like, let's just take this slow and like, see how it goes. Don't put too much pressure on it. And then I can remember just like being like, uh-huh. And then in my heart, I was like, no, I was like, so I said, I said it to him. I was like, actually, like, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to date you. Like, I like you. And I like want to go back to us being a couple. Like, I don't need time. I like you like you and I think he was just kind of like oh okay but then I remember yeah having our first kiss again and then and then we were dating and like I ended up looking for jobs so that was probably fall of 2012 maybe and then 2013 I was graduating and looking for jobs and I just looked for jobs in Los Angeles and then I interviewed at New West Charter and got a job and became your teacher so how did you know that you wanted to teach there like what about the school attracted you and you're like okay that's where I want to start well I pretty much knew I wanted to teach at a public school just like always been into education and feeling like that's I I believe in public education I liked the charter environment I had like student taught at a couple of charter schools and I just felt like I still kind of to this day feel like the small school atmosphere speaks to kind of like the relationship building part of teaching that I really enjoy. It's not for everybody, but I think for the kids that it is for, it really works. And I feel like they go on to like thrive and like start podcasts and stuff. <laughs> Just go back and interview their teachers because they built such good relationships with them. Right. Um, so I just felt like my my skill set and things I enjoyed, like it felt right there. Um, it also was like on the West Side where I wanted to live. I interviewed, couldn't understand a thing Dr. Weir said, but (laughs) Mr. Jones was the lead teacher of seventh grade. I think he still is. And he was just like amazing and welcoming me in and helping me. Yeah. First year, no, I will say was the hardest thing I've ever, like the hardest thing of my life, the hardest year, emotionally overwhelming. Like I can remember like I had, I had like a great class and good kids and like 
it was algebra. Like I knew how to do it. You know what I mean? Knowing how to, knowing the subject and being able to teach it well and just like think of all the things a teacher has to think of. Like it's kind of like when you're, when you start, first start out driving, like there's so many things you need to think about. There's like other people in the lanes. There's all, all the stuff that you have to think, my mirror, my this, the gas, like all these things. And so it feels very overwhelming. But then pretty soon those things sort of like fade into the background and you don't really need to even think about like, checking your mirrors you just like do it automatically I think that's the thing with teaching and in the beginning there's just so much overwhelm that I can remember like crying on my way home from school every day no like tears like down my face like mom how am I gonna do this like this is so hard there's so much to do like just felt like just emotionally overwhelmed it wasn't even that there was something like really wrong like wasn't I mean you were there it wasn't like horrible we had a fun time I like I I still wanted to go to school I still wanted there was never a time when I wanted to quit like I never felt like I think a lot of times a lot of things in my life had like been easy and that was hard and like it was an opportunity it's like hey you're gonna have to work really hard at something this doesn't well elements came easy to me like I feel like there's like so much that goes into teaching if you want to do it well you constantly have to be open to learning and constantly being super reflective of your practice and sometimes that's just really hard because you think of like all the things that went wrong or all the things you could have done better <laughs> I wanted it to be perfect first time you know oh, so 100% being a perfectionist I feel like that's in applicable to- what would you say is so okay before I ask that question so you taught seventh grade algebra for two years or yeah I taught algebra and pre-algebra for two years and then I had always wanted to teach high school middle school's hard you guys are like I mean not you guys everyone I was hard in middle school they're just middle school's tough years and there I feel like there are people who are made to be middle school teachers like Mr. Jones was made to be a middle school teacher he's perfect at it so good I liked teaching kids who knew better I can talk to you more like an adult and that just suited my personality better. So I moved up to teach high school. I taught, let's see, I taught algebra two for the first year and then trig pre-calc and then a combination and then just trig pre-calc, I think. Right. What would you say is one of your favorite teaching moments and one of your least favorite teaching moments? I can remember the way to study for finals. I made everybody like be in these teams and they had to like, so I combined like tasks where they did like a a quiz, studied the math, but then also they had to like answer all these questions for extra credit about each other. So they had to get to know each other. They had to like build this costume and they had to all wear their costume. I I don't think I did it. I think my sister did it though. your, Your sister definitely did. And I just felt like it was like, we were learning math, but it was also fun. And they were also like, the kids were like coming up with these super creative songs. So I got to like see other sides and other like, pers- like really see some of the personality of the students coming out and also like them bonding in groups that they wouldn't have necessarily hung out with those people. I was like, put a lot of time into thinking who would work well together, but like not necessarily our best friends. It took a lot of planning and prep, but like we had, you know, we had a scoreboard that I would update nightly and they, I just felt like it was, it, it like, it worked. What was the hardest hard moment? moment of my teaching teaching career, I can hands down tell you, was Ryan Mendoza. Um, I mean, I love I love him. We I, it's a love hate relationship. Actually, there's no hate. I don't hate him at all. But he irked me so bad one day. It was um, Miss. Haskins came in who like yeah we're cool we're really close friends but she was also the like lead teacher like evaluating me like coming in and like giving me a report card on on how good of a teacher I am that was going to go into like my 
file. You know what I mean? Like that mattered for my job. Right. And he was just such a pain. He like yelling and normally he's, I mean, we had like a pretty good report. So normally, especially the second year of teaching him, we had like a better working relationship, but he would like shout out goat noises or whatever it was that week. And I just was like, are you really doing, I was like mad at him because I felt like personally offended. Like he was like purposely trying to make me look bad in front of my boss or like in front of my um, manager. And so I was so mad at him. He's like since apologized, I think, and like we're cool now. But yeah, that was probably one of the hardest moments in my teaching career. So also just to circle back and finalize the long story between you and Spencer. So when you got back together and you were like, I want to date, then how long until he put the ring on it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you were there. So um, at that point, I moved down. We didn't live together, but we lived close to each other in Santa Monica. January of 2015, yeah. Yeah, I was 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you remember. <laughs> you can remember. You remember telling him he needed to, to Well, okay, so the story is, this is such a funny story. So we had never met Spencer and then it was one of my good friends in middle school had a bat mitzvah and invited like the entire world and you yeah. were like Spencer. Hey, I think she had a really select group of people invited because I made that list right that was- <laughs> okay okay sorry she by entire world I mean most 13 year old girls don't invite their teachers to their bat mitzvahs it's just not really common but we're just upset Right, so only cool teachers came, and you came, and you told my friend group was 10 girls, and you said, guys, do not bring it up to Spencer, like, wedding details. Don't bring up marriage. Don't talk about it at all. I literally remember the moment where we were. So we're standing. It was the service had just ended. It was, like, before you go into the reception, there's, like, a little cocktail hour, and they're passing around, like, sushi or pigs in a blanket or whatever and we were like eating something and all of us saw you and loved you so we're like talking to you and we see Spencer and of course I was talking to him about god knows what and then my friend said oh Spencer like I just heard your brother got engaged or like married or something and then uh-huh. you shot her this look like, I didn't want you to say anything. No, I didn't say something. I think somebody else was like, no, you're not supposed to talk about that. Oh, I probably said that. Or like somebody else yeah, did. And then he got red and then you got red. And it was so funny. But then little did everybody know, like a few months later, he he would propose. Yeah. Which is. Oh, and he did. He proposed at. So he took me back to the place where we first met or had our first date. We went to Paradise Cove and we, yeah, that's where he, he proposed. Yeah. Um, no, such a cute story. And I'm so, and now you have a kid. I have a kid and he's amazing. Aiden. How old is Aiden? He's a year and a half. I think today. It's today the eighth? Seventh. Oh, tomorrow. He'll be a year and a half. That's crazy. Do you want more? More kids? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you know if you want a girl, more boys? I would love more healthy children. I really do want a girl, though. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people also want, like, what they have. Like, I'm one of three, and I think the balance of having an odd number of kids, like, two people are mad at the other person, or just, like, between the girl and a boy dynamic, you know, like, we have it all. We'll see. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Yes, and how has it been in quarantine? So I know you mentioned a little bit at the beginning when we started talking. So you, as soon as Aiden was born, took time off of work because you wanted to 
be home with your baby and everything, but then... So I had originally actually thought that I was going to go back to work. Um, Like, I had kind of planned on it and told the school that I was, but then he was born. So I I went on maternity leave in April, and he was born, or whatever. So the end of the school year, I had a long-term sub, and I was planning to start again in the fall. But, like, when that time rolled around, like, end of summer, to start thinking about, like, childcare. I was like researching options and it's just like it's so expensive and we don't have like family to like babysit so like I was almost gonna have to pay to work and it just felt like that seems stupid and it was also he's so young and when I realized like I can always go back to teaching later like I for some reason in my mind I think it's because when I was young my like super formative years my mom was a stay-at-home mom and didn't work um and so I and she before that I mean, obviously before she had kids was like working, but like, it was never a career that she was like, like a career. Well, I mean, she did, she was a buyer for Macy's, but like she didn't, it wasn't a super, it didn't seem like she wanted to go back to that is what I mean. And so I kind of thought I was in my like worldview that like you either were a working mom or you weren't. And I just kind of like thought those were your really only two options, becoming a mom and realizing like, no you're you're rarely ever just both one of the other like it's always a combination and like just because you take a few years off when they're really young doesn't mean you You can never go back back to being the career that you're wanting to be and like just because i'm a mom now doesn't mean i'm not a teacher like you know i feel like that's such a strong part of my identity and i always wanted to go back to teaching and like still do just because it wasn't something i was doing right then like Long story short, I decided to stay home. Those those small like years when they're so little, it's like he's so, so cute, so cute, and such a good baby. Like I was able to do stuff, so I never felt like super tied down. Like I feel like some moms like are like, okay, I gotta get out of the house. I'm going crazy because and I get those days too. Don't get me wrong. And plus, one of my best friends from growing up moved down to live near me, and she has a baby that's a little bit older than Aiden. So like we hang out all the time. It's been really fun. He said I hear him waking up, so I might have to go grab him in a sec. Okay. No, we can wrap up soon. But no, yeah, COVID just, like, shifted everything and I think made me appreciate just, like, human interaction and all that oh, stuff. 100%. I do have, like, a few questions from your students that I we can rapid fire. And, yeah. And then when Aiden wakes up. Okay, one, they want to know if you were cool in high school. Because, you know, some teachers, like, become teachers because they weren't cool and want to, like, live out their high school experience. I'm not saying oh that was you. I'm just saying some people are like that. I don't think I was I don't think I was cool I didn't feel cool in high school for sure but I didn't feel like a loser either yeah I got you okay how did you feel teaching at an unconventional slash progressive school I mean I felt great about it I feel like that's kind of like uh I mean there were definitely hard moments like especially because you had to create the own curriculum like you had the freedom to kind of do what you wanted in the classroom which as the veteran teacher is like awesome and like allows a lot of creativity and allows a lot of um, allows you to really shine and like do what you want and like do what you think is going to be the best thing for the kids. Um, but as a new teacher is extremely overwhelming because you have to, there's no like tests, like you have to yeah. write all the tests. You have to write, you know, luckily I had Gina Wilson help me out a little bit, but like, great. I feel like the colleagues for the most part that I had are amazing. They're like my close friends. Um, I think I get to see a different perspective. A different side of them that like 
than the than the kids often get to see. Sometimes people are surprised that we're all friends, but and were you ever discouraged about becoming a teacher because a lot of teachers are underpaid? I feel like I've been very lucky. When I lived on my own and was living for my own by my own means, like I paid for everything myself. I feel like I I could easily live with what I was making, but I feel like well, I think you can definitely raise family on a teacher's salary. It would be hard in Los Angeles. And so I feel like without a partner to also contribute to your family's like financial needs. I'm lucky that Spencer has a job he does because I don't have to, I never, I never, because it then it has never crossed my mind. And I feel like that's a super privileged position to be in because I can kind of, I mean, I wish teachers made more, but I wish teachers made more, not because I want more money, but because I feel like yeah. we need, they need to make it so that more talent is attractive to this position and more people who can't be teachers because of how much money, you know, they right. won't be making. Okay. I know you have to run, but I have one final question and it is, I was going to say like, what advice do you have to like your college self or somebody in college? But really mm-hmm. what advice do you have to me? Because oh. that's where I am right now in my life. You constantly need to check in with the voice in your head and like make sure that your voice in your head is being like, it's like a positive, it's a positive conversation. I like talk to myself a lot, but like, I feel like you need to like recognize and like check in with yourself and like be honest with yourself about what feels good and what doesn't and like what, what decisions you should make. Like if you really like sit for a moment and like think about things, like you, you know, the right answer, like in your heart. And I just feel like that's if you like sit and listen to that voice and you cultivate that voice as being someone who's going to like be your cheerleader and like also correct you when you're wrong and like be willing to admit your mistakes and be willing to like grow and constantly like be learning like I feel like that's you like have to sit back and have that perspective and it sounds like you already have you know some of those things I feel like I feel like I've seen a ton of growth in you from the person I've met like a long ago and I think even just like listening to your voice because I've listened to some of your podcasts and like listening to the little like small ways you like couch things or like you you recognize a change in your own perspective like a growth that you've had that I don't think like 12 year old Ashley would have necessarily known to like and it's not just like the environment that we're in today where you like have to be really careful about what you say it's a change in your mindset and your perspective and like I feel like you just need to constantly be checking in with yourself that that's what you're you're growing in and I feel like and not only like checking in and growing yourself but like also be accepting of other people all right i will take that to heart and keep that with me like i'm so happy you did this episode with me i'm so excited to release it and for all of your students to hear and i just need to tell you i know you know but in case you don't i literally tell everybody i meet like you're like the one person i like truly look up to who like isn't a family member like i'm following in your footsteps in so many different ways and like that makes me so proud of like what I've done because I've like been watching you since I was 12 years old which is crazy so had to say that and I'm so lucky you came on the podcast so go give Aiden a hug for me and I'm so excited for you to listen all right me too thanks yay Bye. bye now I hope you enjoyed this episode definitely one of my favorites hands down I definitely want a love story just like her and Spencer I mean I was like blushing as she was telling me all of the sequences of events, but Michelle is somebody that I've looked up to. She's somebody in school that I probably cried to way more times than I can count. Somebody I knew I could go to after school to talk, for homework help, you name it. 
She was my club advisor for student government and just an all-around friend of mine, and I am so grateful she decided to come on today's episode. So I hope you got your daily dose of tea. You're having a great day. Continue to stay safe and healthy, and I will see you next week.